2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Little fall like in the air in eastern Nebraska. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. What a ball game last night. It didn't go southeast's way, but uh, more so about how good Lincoln East played, man. Noah Walters, Malachi Coleman. I mean, they, what I I was, I'm just wowed. I'm wowed at, at what I saw last night. I know that's football. I know it's past tense, but I just had to kind of spit that out there. I know you were back here doing the game, Elijah. We were over on KFOR doing it, and Coach Jeff Smith, God love him, he sat in with me and did great work as a color analyst. And just, I look at just this abundance of talent, central Nebraska, eastern Nebraska, obviously up in the metro as well. And I got to see like high level dudes last night with Walters and Coleman. And Erickson, and and uh, it was it was cool to be back. I hadn't done a game yet this year because of our travels, and uh, it was good to be back at it. It's good to be back at it. I know you were like just uh, you you're probably hitting the padded because no kidding the the rooms in here are padded from an acoustic standpoint and for our own safety. and for our own safety, right? Uh, once the. Uh, <laughs> oh i just been through four helmets already and it, and it happened last <laughs> night and it happened last night and yeah but you was a knight you had to be like a little bit
3: uh, in a sense, yes, but also, I mean, it's been so long since I've graduated. I'm just, I'm going at it from you're, a, uh, yeah,
2: You're graying in the ripe old age <laughs> of 22. It's been so long, it's not that long ago I'm calling you at left tackle. I mean, yeah, that's true, but it was, it was different whenever it was like, oh
3: yeah, that kid was on varsity with me whenever I was playing. It was one thing to be listening to the team being like, oh yeah, I, I know that kid, I hope he does well tonight, I as opposed insane, to now like- I go like... Who are these people? It's his little brother. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is that his kid already playing?
3: Like, I'm going to graduate. You know five what screwy? Years.
2: You know what's screwy? is seeing like some of your buddies from fantasy football league have kids that are playing ball. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me feel older. That's, yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, well, well was.
3: I would say it was. It's good to to AF high school football back and you back on the air with high school football. But it's good to have you back in here on a Friday. It's been like over a month since I've had you here on
2: a Friday. I have tempted to to say, yeah, bro, I'm doing the show from the the, <laughs> uh, the patio today. But rain prevented that. You would have. I like spending time in here with you, so it's all good. We have a real red reaction tomorrow following Nebraska, Michigan State. You're a part of it, uh, Elijah Herbal, Willie J. A part of it, and I did some false advertising. We we got plenty of, of input last week with you know what did we need to drink pre tailgate uh, for Nebraska, Oklahoma since we were down in Norman, and we we've had uh, we've had suggestions of of large amount of Tito's will be needed for for tomorrow night. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. We're going to dive headfirst into Nebraska, Michigan State. But I, I sent out a group text, and we're going to try and get some golf in with an eye and an ear on college football. And we're going to play a little golf tomorrow after the, the weekend edition before Nebraska. I was going to smoke. I was going to smoke short ribs and ribs. But, brother, if we want to do 18, I can't. We can't do 18 and then smoke. Hmm. And you're just like, you son of a... <laughs> <laughs> the look Elijah's giving me right now is like, you lying sack. No, I, I, we're we going to get the best bone-in pork chops and kebabs. So, and you do pork chops enough that I, I trust you on this oh, one. That they're going to be fantastic. I'm going to kill it. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. But you were just like, you know, and we signed up for this Schmidt. You said you were doing ribs and short ribs. Baby backs and short ribs. We still can, but we just won't eat till nine. Then I'll have to be back here for the post game. Exactly. Show and that and that would... wasn't going to do you any justice. No, it wasn't. So, so we're, we're, we'll figure it out. But I apologize. I my eyes were bigger than my stomach. Shocking. Didn't know that was possible. But we'll we'll do some some incredible grill work tomorrow on the patio. That's where the that's where the real red reaction show is going to be. Casa de Schmidt. We're going to do the post game show from the patio. A little fire pit action. Roll the. Uh, TV outside and just do it that way. I'll be good. That'll be good. We'll, we'll... The pharmacist is coming over. Which one is Jeff? the The Bronco fan. Okay. Oh, we've got Jeff. another Broncos. Yes, in the you house. do. want to try and sell
3: you a signed Elway jock. Well, I already have a signed Elway jersey. Actually,
2: no, but Fun I'm fact. saying jock because yeah, I'll pass on that.
3: <laughs> and let me, if he's got a, a Bridgewater jock, then maybe. No, uh, I'm, we're I'm going to
2: move on from this conversation. <laughs> uh, plenty to get into Colton Pouncey. Uh, great writer with uh, the Athletic Michigan State in 15 minutes. Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairberry, NBC Sports with us at five. George Darlington, gorgeous George. Coach George Darlington, Husker Hall of Fame coach. Uh, football Facts, he's been doing it for almost 40 years where each season, uh, and he's doing Zoom sessions through Southeast Community College, also up at, uh, through Millard South. I believe, in the continuing education program. So he's all over. Coach Darlington's all over via Zoom, and he does an awesome job. Great teacher, phenomenal recruiter, one of the best coaches on Coach Osborne's staff, and, and gorgeous George in his Hawaiian shirt, baby. He'll join us in uh, in about an hour, and then it is the Friday forecast with Clausburn Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 466-3776, 825-5865. Got an email uh, sent in. And this is something that is legit that uh, you had uh, Shane send it in. He listens, uh, God love him, faithfully on Newstalk 900, our, our affiliate with Gus and company in Columbus. But he's like, okay, you guys are the play caller. Your running backs are getting two-something yards per carry. Your quarterback is under duress 50% of the time. When you do drop him back to pass, quick, what is your play call? And what, what Shane, the, the listener in Columbus, just laid out is what Nebraska's offense has been a lot of. Right. I mean, that's that's been it. And you look at the point totals, 28 against Buffalo, front four pressure. Fordham's kind of the outlier just because of, as Coach Cass put them, they're a glorified high school team. No disrespect. And then you had the uh, the 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 ball game against Illinois, where you, you put up. 22 points.
3: You say no disrespect for that
2: Fordham comment,
3: but that, that's a comment that just filled with disrespect. It was, it was
2: dripping with sarcasm. Okay, <laughs> It was totally dripping with no disrespect dot 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 but, and then you've got Michigan State here, and they put up a few points. They put up 38 a couple of different times. Northwestern And uh, down at the U. Here's what I have no doubt about. And it was great to hear from Searles yesterday with the offensive line analysis. But Michigan State ain't going to make any money. They'll do whatever they want uh, as far as uh, try and testing. All right. What's going to work? What's not going to work? They aren't going to try and make a living between the tackles. Right. And the numbers that are staggering, when you look at the almost 180 that Walker ran for. About 155 or 160 of them came outside the tackles against Miami. So uh, roll call, please, JoJo. Roll call, please, for Garrett Nelson. Roll call for Caleb Tanner. Roll call for Nebraska's corners. Okay, and listen, man, they've been they've been really good. Newsom was awesome. Newsom was awesome last week against Oklahoma, coming up in run support. Deontay Williams has been big time in run support. Dismuke is really good at getting downhill, and of course you got Farmer, a really good athlete as well. On top of Nebraska's two backers, right, Henrich and and Reimer. So, and then you got the the beef on the line to try and fight through. Okay, but it's going to be if I'm Michigan State and and we'll ask Colton about this here in a little bit, you know, is it is it Miami 2.0? Do they try and attack Nebraska's edges? Do they try and and do some bootleg rollout stuff off of that? You know, it'll it'll be interesting to see if you're Nebraska, you're going to really get your corner. Cam Taylor Britt. Cam's a guy that is good at getting off blocks and he is physical, and this could be a really big game for him but Nebraska's back seven specifically back four and the edges the outside backers and the corners based on what they did against Miami and see if they try and do it against Nebraska because listen it's not like Nebraska is the 99 94 or or 95 black shirts or even the 97 black shirts but they're better they're good they they are a very they're beyond a competent defense okay they're a good defense that said, uh, the, uh, Oklahoma did run on them enough, all right, to be balanced. And you had a few plays uh, by Buffalo and Fordham, and then Illinois just kept at it. And by the fourth quarter, some of those runs turned into bigger gains, right? So your job for Nebraska, clamp off the edge, stop the cutback, and do not let contain be broken. And, just be wary of that is all I'm saying. And, and I think that's, if I'm Michigan State, I had success against really high-level recruits, uh, a fast-flowing defense, but I don't know that Miami's a tough defense. I think that's kind of your, your, your saving grace and your difference if you're Nebraska. You're a smart defense, Elijah. You're, you're a very, uh, I would say, this Nebraska defense, very disciplined, right? I mean, they didn't get whacked, with a lot of big plays against Oklahoma. We talked a lot about eye discipline a week ago. Nebraska was locked in. Uh, Going to be very important as well to, to do your job, set the edge, and then get help from your buddies because I think Sparty will try and test the middle, test the body, so to speak, and then try and get the edge a bit.
3: Yeah, and... A lot has been made this week of, oh, Michigan State is the best rushing attack that Nebraska has faced this season, which is true. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget the flip side of the coin, which is that Nebraska is the best defense that Michigan State has faced this year. Uh, so it's all about coming out early. I mean, if you have corners that can beat the blocks of wide receivers, that is a great way to be able to stop those stretch run plays, those run plays go into the edge. Uh, and then you, you didn't mention the, the factor of inside backers being able to stop plays going to the outside too. If you trust your guard pulls, uh, if you can out, get out there and, and beat the watch Up in the inside, you have a great chance to make a play uh, on a running back one on one on the outside as well. Uh, So there's a lot of guys that can step up to stop these outside rushing attacks. If you didn't see Jeremiah Searle's film breakdown from this morning that he posted on his Twitter, it is great stuff. And it details one of the plays that Michigan State really likes to run, which is a, it's a double guard pull on a sweep from shotgun. Uh, and you can see the, the Michigan State offensive line has great eye discipline. The guards have great eye discipline on, on their pull. One of their, uh, their guards stops his pull short because he sees a, a linebacker trying to blitz up through the middle. Uh, so you're going to have to be wary of that. This this Michigan State offensive line is solid. They know how to block this play. It comes down to Nebraska being able to beat their one-on-one matchups on the edge to be able to, uh, to, to stop this play and force Michigan State to go up the middle, which I I think is the strength of Nebraska's rushing defense.
2: Absolutely, and and I'm I'm with Pizzo where it's got to be Thorne that beats you. Yes, I mean as many as many folks as you want to throw on the line. Let's party and uh, make let Nebraska's secondary do their thing. Back to the email, we jumped from his email question to uh, Walker flipping it around for Nebraska's offense. What is my play call? I'm. Uh, I'm I'm a big over the middle. Let's let's get some five to seven yard chunks with the tight ends. I'm I'm big on some more option or some option pass. Now I know you can't do that all the time, but if your run game's not going well, uh and and your quarterback's under duress, just chop some wood. Get about three on every down so you're not predictable on third and three or five. Run it if you want. And that's the other thing. Scott Frost has done a good job, and they did it in one instance. Again, it was just one play, but one instance against Illinois, and then one instance against Oklahoma that got him out of some trouble on third and long. And Wisconsin has done this forever. They'll have a three or four wide set, and it's third and O Street, and they'll run. they'll run it. It'll be a handoff run out of the shotgun. Nebraska's done that a couple of times. It wasn't a wave-the-white-flag play, per se. They just said, let's be a little bit more cautious where we're at field position-wise. And, it, you know, bless his heart, Gabe Irvin, had a, he's had two of his longer runs this year, have been on third and nine or third and 11, that got first downs out of what you would think is a passing situation. You go back to the last time Nebraska went on the road and really threatened a team on the road, was that Wisconsin game, the Sam Foltz game, right? And Foltz and Sandler are both going to be honored before tomorrow night's kickoff. Well, Wisconsin uh, ended up getting enough breathing room because of their pin and pull on third down. Nebraska, in that game back in 16, got worked a couple of times by Oogie on third and eight shotgun runs. I like Nebraska's willingness to run on even though it's a third down and long passing situation and it wasn't an obvious adrian run so We'll see if Nebraska has that in their back pocket a little bit. And you also got to
3: go with those plays if the rushing game isn't working. Going with those short passing plays that are an extension of the running game. You can Uh, do that. I'm talking slants. I'm talking screen plays. I'm talking the the dreaded swing pass even.
2: Uh, If you're getting a guy... You're willing to take the swing pass with you on the road.
3: If you're not getting anything rushing up on the inside, what is a swing pass but a essentially a pitch where you're getting the, uh, the running back outside faster. It's getting a running back in space.
2: Can you execute it? <laughs> that is, I have that no is the problem with the swing pass because you've seen it work a la Mo Washington. I have a problem with its execution rate. It's either good or terrible. <laughs> it's either a turnover or it's a gain of 20.
3: But I mean, yeah. If if the the defensive line's getting after it, if they're pinning their ears back, coming after Adrian, they're doing a good job stopping the rush. Get guys in space on the outside, a or, or b. Get them into their pass rush and then go for a run, go for a, a draw of some sort, a quarterback draw, a running back draw. We've saw, seen them uh, run that 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 trap of sorts, uh, where it looks like the snap's going high. That's worked well against teams that are going into a pass rush. There's plays you can call.
2: I, I like uh, also the the. Tight end plus or the two tackle formation. Yes. Let me see more Big Ted uh, with some fullback motion. Uh, good stuff. Often running on a Friday. Hail Varsity. Colton Pouncy up next. And we're back, fellas.
1: did we could listen to the radio? Listen. On Hail
2: Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for spending time. Great to be with you on a Friday. at Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. welcome in a tremendous rider with The Athletic. Uh, covers Michigan State. And nice to spend a few minutes here with Colton Pouncy. Colton, thanks for the time. How's your Friday?
0: Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, things are going pretty well over here. Uh, beautiful day outside. Ready for, uh, for a uh, pretty good night game tomorrow, I'd say. It's uh be
2: pretty fun. It is, man. And I want to get your take here on, on the buzz, the hype, the juice with this. Uh, what's what's your reception been like here this week uh, up in Spartyland?
0: Yeah, this is probably, you know, I've been covering Michigan State football since 2018, and this is probably the most interest I've seen in the football team <laughs> since I've been here. You know, things are uh, going pretty well here. They're off to a 3 0 start for the first time since 2015. Um, you know, they're ranked number 20 in the AP poll, and. I think a lot of it's just happened quicker than people expected. Um, you know, I think when Mel Tucker was hired, there was interest because, you know, he's a save assistant for you know three different stops. Um, SEC guy. He's got this recruit first mentality. So I think you know, Michigan State fans were were hoping that they would see something like this down the road. But after two and five year last year, I don't think anyone expected it to happen this early. But you know, they're playing some good football. They're a confident team, and um, it's kind of shown on the field so far.
2: Colton Pouncy is with us with the Athletic, you can find him on Twitter at Colton underscore Pouncy. It's where you follow him. Covers Sparty. So why? Give me the why. Why is Mel doing this so soon in year two?
0: Yeah, I think if you want to take the big picture approach, I think um, you know some of the things that he's instilled in this team. You know, I know culture is kind of an overused word, but that's probably the best way to describe kind of the changes that we've seen so far. You know, Michigan State was pretty undisciplined last year. Um, you know the coaching staff is still trying to get a feel for their players. Players were still getting, trying to get a feel for the coaching staff. So, um, you know, installing new schemes amid a pandemic was not the easiest thing. Um, and also, you have, you know, the start and stop nature of the Big Ten last year. So that didn't really help them get off to a good start last year. But this offseason, Mel Tucker really knew what he had to do. Um, he saw that the talent wasn't where it needed to be, so he went out and added 15 scholarship transfers and. You know, that group is being led by Kenneth Walker, one of the you know best running backs in the country right now, V2Nation and rushing, broken tackles forced, you know just been an absolute beast so far um but also you know he bringing by bringing in all those transfers, you know the returning guys who played on a, on that two and five team last year, they kind of saw that hey my my job is not safe. we've got someone coming in trying to take my spot, so I need to practice even harder. Then you've got all these transfers coming in who you know some of them weren't playing at their old school, some of them were but they've all come to Michigan State saying this is a fresh start for me, so I need to come come out here and hit the ground running. And I think that's been the mentality, and what that did is it kind of raised the level of competition in fall camp. You know, guys are going harder. Um, They're all trying to play. They're all trying to start. Things like that. And I think it's gotten the most out of the roster. You know, they also hit the weight room pretty hard. There's all these before and after pictures of uh, dudes from last year wearing like 340. Now they've dropped down to like, you know, 300 or they're cut, they're trimmed, they're faster, all that stuff. So um, Just really having the time that they didn't have last year's probably been the biggest thing. And, again, anytime you have a running back like Kenneth Walker get off to the start that he's gotten off to, I think that certainly helps your offense and uh, gets you off the ground a little bit too.
2: Colton, they've got buy-in, and they they believe what Coach Mel's telling them. I think the way they came out against Northwestern a year ago, right? That was one of the more kind of wow wins, and, and I think that's when you put in your back pocket and then you flip the roster like you're talking about. Was there still a pretty good collection uh, of some talent, kind of some remnants from, from Coach D'Antonio left over that Mel got, and then he really just hit hit and hit well on the transfer portal? Is that fair to say that it's been a good mesh?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and there was some talent that D'Antonio had, but it was all younger talent. So I think some of those guys just needed time to kind of, you know, get their feet under them and, and kind of adjust to, you know, a new style. And then when Mel Tucker came in, he spent the 2020 season kind of evaluating the pieces that he could build around. So obviously when the season's over, you finish two and five, you have conversations with guys and say, hey, I see you being a part of what we're building or, hey, I'm not sure you're going to you know, have the playing time that you're looking for. So maybe you pursue the transfer portal if that's an option for you, things like that. So those conversations took place after the season. And the guys that are still here are 100% bought into what Mel Tucker's doing. you got a guy like Xavier Henderson, um, safety for Michigan State right now, senior He's was a four-star kid from the 2018 class. He's playing some of the best football of his life right now. Um, I think the coaches like his development. Um, he likes the way he's being used as sort of a blend of this, you know, deep safety, but also plays closer to the boxing times. Um, you know, they've got a quarterback like Peyton Thorne, who was, you know, a really underrated recruit in that 2019 class. Um, but he was also – he was always one of those guys that was one of the smarter quarterbacks in the roster. He was – you know, he's a coach's son. His father – Jeff Thorne is a Division III coach and actually won the Stag Bowl a couple of years ago. Um, so they've got these players that they like that D'Antonio brought in um, that just really needed an opportunity, and they're getting that now. And then also you hit the portal with Kenneth Walker, uh, Jarrett Horse, a starting left tackle who came from Arkansas State, Rivers Crouch, a linebacker from Tennessee, Ronald Williams, a four-star Juco corner from that was at Alabama last year and transferred to Michigan State just because you know, they got so much talent over there, you kind of got phased out. So... I think what you're what you're seeing is you know the transfers are coming in and they're actually being accepted by the team, so that's made that transition a little easier. and also helps when you're winning you know mm-hmm. getting off to a three 0 start that kind of uh alleviates some of the problems that you might foresee with all these transfers coming in, so it's it's been a smooth process so far.
3: Colton Pouncey of The Athletic with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking some Michigan State. And, Colton, I want to get to the game tomorrow. Uh, we, we know that Michigan State's going to try to get the ball into the hands of Kenneth Walker. He's been the, the bell cow of the offense. Uh, but how specifically do you think that Michigan State is going to be attacking the Huskers both offensively and defensively?
0: Yeah, offensively, um, like you mentioned, I think it'll be a heavy dose of Kenneth Walker. You know, the, the first game against Northwestern, he got, I think, 23 carries against Miami. He got twenty seven. They kind of gave him a, a lighter workload against Youngstown State. He only had seven in that game, but that was because they, they knew they were going to use him a lot against Miami. So I, I would expect him to get in that same range, that 23 to 27 range, in terms of touches. Against Miami, a lot of his, his big runs came to the outside. Um, you know, I think 158 of his 172 rushing yards came outside the tackles, um, which that's a product of his ability to bounce things out to the outside when, when it's kind of blocked up the middle. And also, he can just make linebackers and safeties look, look silly in open space. He did that a lot against Miami, although I'm not sure they had the best uh, run defense over there. <laughs> um, probably a little bit better but over there in Nebraska. But um, that, that's going to be the game plan. A lot of, a lot of Kenneth Walker. Um, offensively, Peyton Thorne, he's a game manager, but he can also give you a little bit more than that. Um, you know, He's going to take care of the football. He's going to make the right reads. He's not going to force things. But he's got a couple of speed receivers on the outside who can – who can make a make a make a play downfield, stretch the field vertically? I'm actually kind of interested to see how that works out. I know Nebraska's got a really good, you know, secondary passing defense. They've been, you know, top 25, top 30 so far through four games. So I'm kind of interested to see that dynamic between Jaden uh, Reed and Jalen Naylor on the outside versus that secondary. I think that'll be a, probably the key of the game. Um, then on the flip side, you know, Michigan State's defense held Miami to I think 2.2 yards per carry. Um, that was a really impressive. You know, what they did against the one was really impressive, in my opinion, uh, especially against a mobile threat like De'Aaron King. At the same time, their defense sort of has this bend-don't-break mentality. So, you know, I think there's a lot to be had in that short-to-intermediate game. Um, De'Aaron King, I think, had 58 or 60 pass attempts and I want to say close to 400 yards passing in that game. He was just eating them up over the middle of the field, and Michigan State was willing to, to give them that. You know, they're playing soft coverage, you know, keeping their corners back, you know, five, seven yards off the ball. Um, allowing some of that underneath stuff in an effort to limit the deep ball because Mel Tucker never wants to see his DBs get get burned deep. Um, so I think that's going to be there for the taking if Nebraska wants it. They could probably um, you know, move the ball through that short to intermediate game. Um, I do know that you know I was talking to Mitch Sherman. He says that they have some some speed receivers who can actually stretch the field now. Um, I'll be interested to see if Michigan State you know plays further enough to allow that or kind of still settles for the short game. Um, I think the key for Nebraska's offense would probably be. Converting in the red zone, uh, Michigan State's defense, I think, has been pretty pretty solid in that area so far this year. Um, but if they do move the ball slowly in those, you know, five to seven yard passes, and you know, kind of put drives together, they're going to need to capitalize when they get in the red zone, not settle for field goals, you know, put points on the board. Because this offense that we've seen from Michigan State so far, it's kind of weird, but they're putting up points. I'm not used to offense over here, but uh, you know, they're averaging close to you know, forty points a game. So um, I think it'll be probably a medium, you know, probably in that thirty to. Twenty-five point range, um, but yeah, I think it'll be a, a interesting game for
2: sure. Colton Pouncy covers the Michigan State Spartans for the Athletic. Give him a follow, and uh, do so at Colton underscore Pouncy. Colton, a uh, couple of last thoughts here. As a guy who uh, has been covering Michigan State, but as you look at Nebraska, you know what? What are your impressions of of Nebraska now and Coach Frost, and just what's your take uh, as as a football guy? on this team coming in?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, like everyone, I watched that Nebraska-Illinois game, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be one of those years for for Scott Frost, another one, another disappointing year. Um, Maybe not meeting expectations, but you know, they they came back, they bounced back nicely with a couple of wins, and then I think the Oklahoma game, you know, I was talking to Mitch, and he was like, yeah, I'm not so sure if the moral victory is accepted over here, (laughs) but uh, I mean, watching that, anytime you can hold that Oklahoma offense to 23 points, I mean, that's an impressive feat. And that, I think that shows that Nebraska's defense is probably a little bit more legit than people gave them credit. And, um, you know, this will be another another test for them. If they can – again, Michigan State is probably not known for offense over the years, but so far through three games, you know, they're playing really well. So if that defense can have another impressive outing, um, maybe even pull off the win using their defense and, and getting stops against Peyton Thorne and containing Kenneth Walker maybe, you know, limiting those outside runs, you get a win like this, that, that kind of changes things a little bit. It changes the national perspective, in my opinion. Um, you gotta, you got to see more of it, obviously, but I think this is probably a game that they need to kind of write that ship a little bit. And you know, Scott Frost probably needs a narrative win like that.
2: About a minute here, Colton. Who does Walker remind you of? Is there a past Spartan back or an NFL comp? I mean, who, who do you think he, he is like with his running style?
0: Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. You know, I've heard some people say like he's kind of like J.K. Dobbins. You know, similar okay. frame. Um, you know, not the fastest, but he's fast enough to hit the, the big run when he needs to. But he's just got so much wiggle room. Like the way he he moves, the way he cuts. My nickname that I'm trying to get coined for him is Kenny Cutback. We'll see if that catches on. <laughs> Has not yet so far. But that's the type of things that he can do. Uh, I've seen a few Michigan State people try to call him Barry Sanders, and in, in the way that he runs, I. I am. You'll never hear me call him that, <laughs> but uh, you know he's a good back, and um, you know I think he'll be a challenge for most teams that he plays on schedule this year. He's fun to watch.
2: Barry was the original. Well, not the original, but the 2.0 version of crazy legs. He was so awesome yeah. to, to to watch, just kind of do his thing. Colton, enjoy the game. We'll be uh, looking forward to, to your thoughts uh, afterwards, and appreciate uh, you spending time with us here on Hale Varsity.
0: Absolutely. Thanks
2: for having us. Right. is it. Colton Pouncey with the Athletic. Covers Michigan State. I love that. Can he cut back? Well, I'm just the, thank God he
3: didn't comp him to Le'Veon Bell. I couldn't, couldn't, Le'Veon's couldn't his that.
2: own, like, okay, count one, count two, accelerate. Yeah. The way he runs forever has been awesome. He, he, he looks NFL
3: own. ready in college. Yeah, yeah his
2: own deal. Uh, we'll talk about that opportunity for Nebraska. What could tomorrow set up for, say, Michigan?
1: Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com.
2: Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. You know, I'm putting together in my mind this food spread for the, uh, the, the, the patio show tomorrow, and we'll eat. And I have not gone shopping for wings for a while, but this this national emergency of shortage of chicken wings is very real and we could do some air if I find some wings we could do some uh, some old bay old bay air-fried mm-hmm. wings
3: mm-hmm. see I, I knew there was a problem with the wings though whenever Wing stop started doing the thigh stop thing they started
2: selling chicken thighs instead. that so was like the wow. audible the, uh, thighs are awesome thighs are great but they're not the same as wings no but if you get the the if you get the thighs and the wings together the hindquarters hmm Oh, Uncle yeah. Uncle Nate does those, and they're incredible. The, the, you should buy a truck, and we should do a food truck.
3: The thing is, is I don't think you can cook your thighs like you cook your wings. If you try to, like, you know, get them all crispy on the outside and toss them in no, sauce, no, it's just no, not no, the same. You, no, no, no. You got to go straight where dry go. rub and smoked.
2: Yeah, you got to dry rub and you air fry, and that it's works too, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Okay, you know, Scott Frost has talked a lot about momentum, okay, and Nebraska's kind of just been sputtering with that ability to get a hold of momentum, right? You you had a chance with Illinois, insert sound effect. Fordham, Buffalo, okay, kind of pulling you back in, Godfather 3 style with Oklahoma, and then they win tomorrow night. All of a sudden, people are beating down the bandwagon door to get back on, because Nebraska just beat a ranked team on the road for the first time in probably the 2012 season.
3: Ranked team on the road. I, I'll, I'll do. I'll, I'll be your statistician here. Let me, let no, me that's continue. fine. I
2: mean, think, think about it. Because, I mean, you had those the, those wins. I was talking about yesterday with Sparty. And I don't know if Sparty was ranked or Northwestern. But, I mean, the, the last, like, top five win was the University of Washington. That was back in 97 on the road. And then you know when's the last time Nebraska went and got a ranked road win? And if they did, it was a team you beat in the twenties, right? Twenty maybe. I don't even know if is 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 good as. And we'll get to the phones here in a minute. Is good as uh, it is to win in Ann Arbor and in in State College. I don't know that either. of Those teams were ranked in twenty thirteen. So, but when we talk momentum getting a road win, having a chance to uh, to make something happen for Nebraska. This is about carrying forward your confidence, getting the win beyond just playing well enough to win, and then taking care of business against Northwestern. If you're Nebraska, you can stack things. And Scott Docterman put this out earlier today where two weeks from Saturday, you're going to have a slew of good ball games. But your primetime game, when you want to talk blue bloods and brands and names and recognizable helmets, it could be Nebraska-Michigan ABC primetime against a and I mean, it would go against A&M-Alabama. We'll see if a unbeaten. They got a tough trip to Walmart land this weekend. But, hey, you're Nebraska, you're 4-2, And Michigan rolls in unbeaten. I know they got Wisconsin a week from tomorrow. Could be awesome for you. You could really be feeling good, playing good football, working the kinks out on the offensive line, paying attention to uh, the little things. Those get better, presumably. And you know what Nebraska is right now. You know that they're physical. You know Nebraska has playmakers. You know they screw up the little things. All right? That's just where they're at. Uh, let's go to the phones real quick. Uh, John's been hanging on. John, thanks for the call. Go ahead, bud.
4: Hey, Smitty. Hey,
5: I got a couple things for you. One question and one comment. Okay. Uh, start with the comment. I, I do think you are 100% right. Is We have, a, we have an opportunity to, to right the ship and just think how different our conversations would be if we were three and one right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I guess I think this game is going to challenge us because I think it's gonna, there's going to be limited possession because of, uh, you know, just offenses going. But I like that we may have Casey Rogers back. I like our defense against anybody, really. And if we can just find a way to be efficient and score points when we have chances to, I think I think we'll be having a chance to win the game. My other my my question
2: for you is
5: what in the heck happened against Illinois? And I know I don't want to go back there too much, but I'm still puking up that game.
2: Well, look at your quarterback and it's not all on him. I mean, hell, the guy ran for 100 yards, but look at his look at his composure following Illinois. Look at him standing in the pocket against Oklahoma. Right? I think you have a, a calmer. I think everybody was feeling this. Oh no, it's over if you lose. And while they shouldn't have pissed that game away, they they let the the strip sack. They let the safety. They let momentum absolutely put on orange and blue, and then it was over. Once you they didn't quit, but I'm saying it was over once it got down to a, a double score. You know, once you got down twenty. And you had to play hurry up and you just ran out of time. So And, and let's also not forget
3: Scott Frost's comments directly after the game, which was they came out with a bad game plan and whether or not that's a, a, an indictment of the coaching staff or not. Thanks
2: for the call, John. Yeah,
3: I, I think that, that does uh that does explain what happened against Illinois. You came out with the wrong game plan, things were not going right you for let
2: You let the wrong game plan affect you.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Right? That's on, that's a better way to put it.
2: On on top of those momentum moments. No, and, and right, and you have a different feel, a different bounce in your step, a different interest level, uh, a little less venom if they're three and one, but if they if they end September three and two, you know, unbeaten's ideal, not realistic. Three and one was kind of the mark, and a lot of us settled in. Something's going to go wrong, and they'll be three and two. Now the opposite could be true. They could be two and three. But what what can't have what can't happen is they can't lose some of the progress they've made since Illinois. Bigger picture, whatever happens tomorrow night, you still got chances. But again, it's getting awfully that slim margin for error. You still have chances to go steal air quote steal one on the road, Minnesota. Uh, you have a chance to to. Beat Michigan at home. You have Ohio State at home, and I know we're we're talking wow, uh, apples and oranges from where the programs are at Ohio State wise. Even though they're they're a little shaky this year comparatively, but it's there for you. And the 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 key for this team is to keep believing, keep playing well, and then ramp up and just keep getting better. Quit quit being a, a disaster on special teams. Uh, make progress and keep doing your thing and get better on offense figure out your offensive line it's not that this is there's an expiration date yes november is the expiration date but you have time to practice and get better here's what can't happen tomorrow you can't have an off or a bad day there's gonna be a game this season where the defense is off it happens in college football Think like of Nebraska-Missouri in 97. Who the hell would have thought that that defense would get lit up by that team? It did. The offense had to carry him. Well, there's going to be a game where the offense has got to be ready to outscore somebody. The defense can't have a bad game tomorrow night. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this first hour, George Darlington, Coach Darlington, football facts, how do you get enrolled in football facts with Coach Darlington, he'll tell you about that here in about thirty minutes. Pride of Fairbury's Bill Dolman, NBC Sports. This is weird being in studio on a Friday. We will change that a week from today, as we are out at the uh, at the Graduate and Single Barrel, uh, Single Barrel Steakhouse. It is phenomenal. It's incredible. Over two hundred and fifty whiskeys for you to check in on and and simp, it's it's simp it's sip and sample and enjoy. I've not had any, despite my slurring here. I promise you, but uh, come see us out at the Single Barrel next Friday, four to six. Hail Varsity Friday Road Show, and uh, excited to be at the uh, Single Barrel inside the Graduate. Every home football Friday, big weekend of games coming up. Denver, Yay or Nay, they move into 3 and 0. You got to be jacked about some NFL. I can't wait to see the Rams and Bucks. That's what I have circled for Sunday afternoon. Are the Broncos moving to 3 and 0? They're playing the Jets. They better move to 3 and 0. I don't know, man. The NFL's cutthroat and
3: Did, did you see the video of that like little 8-year-old kid breaking down the Jets and why they're terrible? That was one of the funniest videos I watched this week. It's just
2: his eight year old. I didn't watches. see it. I need to. <laughs> Can like, you send it? In it? His hand? Yeah, I'll send it to you.
3: <laughs> oh,
2: it's hilarious. You see, it all went to hell when Joe Willie retired. That's what Grandpa tells me. In the Ken O'Brien uh, late '80s run with Freeman McNeil and Al Toon and Mark Gastineau. Man, those were the days. But they weren't. Think about it. I mean, they had Herm. They had Parcells. They were a playoff team for a little – I mean, they had Dirty Sanchez, man. Well, I mean, now look at uh, at Sam Darnold balling out for
3: Carolina. I love,
2: I've always liked Darnold.
3: I, I think that – that makes me think that the problem is uh, <laughs> management. not management players. I think it's the Jets themselves. <laughs> Whenever your players go and ball out for other teams as soon as they leave you.
2: Yeah, that's possibly – Possibly true, but I, I like uh, Salah. I mean, I thought he was mm. a hell of a coordinator at San Francisco. This is year one. They've drafted who you're supposed to take defensively the last couple of years. Now, our homeboy from BYU didn't look all that sharp <laughs> in his first couple of games, but we'll see. Are you, are you sending it or no? Oh,
3: I, I sent it to you. Okay. Um, but did you see uh, the Adam Gase effect? Did you see this going around Twitter of this guy? Uh, went and said, uh, let's see, uh, Ryan Tannehill improved after he left the uh, the Ryan Gase offense. Sam Darnold, the uh, the Adam Gase offense. Mm-hmm. And then Sam Darnold now looks improved post-Adam Gase. And then you have the Broncos, who after he uh, left to go take a, a head coaching job uh, after the, that season with the Broncos, the Broncos went and won a Super Bowl. And then he left LSU after the 2002 season, and LSU won a national championship in 2003.
2: So you're telling me the key to success is to have Adam Gase and then let him go from your team? Get this—
3: Adam GaSe graduated his uh, high school Marshall in Michigan in 1996, and then they won the state title in
2: 1997. Okay, so you're just there's a there's a connection
3: that your team uh, your team will improve once he departs.
2: (laughs) Yes, so he's got to have pictures of somebody to keep getting gigs, something like that. Or, I mean, he did have
3: a prolific offensive season with the Broncos in his, his one year there as offensive coordinator, but I think was, that was because he had Peyton Manning.
2: So that was the pre-85th neck surgery on Peyton mm-hmm. year where he had 50 touchdowns and there it went. They got rocked that year, didn't they, by the Seahawks? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, I just was, was checking. 43-8. to eight. Yeah, that didn't go well. Hour two, Bill Dolman on the way with Hale Varsity Radio. To
1: Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise. With the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or
2: 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Seeing pictures from the Husker Trucker of uh, Spartan Stadium.
3: Uh, Apparently the goats have
2: been let out, and uh, it is a little less uh, tall than British Open Rough. So, not quite a fast track tomorrow, but, but better. Better than South Bend. We welcome in the Pride of Fairbury NBC Sports Bill Dolman with us at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, bigger surprise. No more Red Lobster in Lincoln or Nebraska's last road win against a ranked team the day after Carson Schmidt was born, the 11th of November, 2006. Well, I, I think
4: the, the latter is a lot to digest. But speaking of digestion, I, I just think the news today <laughs> of, of the Red Lobster in Lincoln. Uh, closing down is, is devastating for, for those of us who once considered Red Lobster in Lincoln to be the finest seafood dining in Lincoln, which it was number one for several years, just ahead of Long John Silver's. But I also think about the kids, you know, uh, with their pre-prom dinners not being able to go to Red Lobster. Where are they going to go now for an affordable pre-prom meal? I mean, I think that's that's something that we really need to think about as you know, we get
2: get to the spring and prom season rolls around. Billy D, I think twice. and I've lived here most of my years. I think twice is it my trips to Red Lobster. I miss the biscuits. <laughs> what about you? I mean, did when Billy D was firing up a date in in college? I mean, was was Red Lobster on the um, was it on the radar for you? Well, look before Lincoln decided to
4: move out of the 70s and into the 21st century with Haymarket Park and PBA and all of the great things that are happening in the Lincoln and Omaha area. And I mean that sincerely. I think it is one of the great two-city areas in the entire country. And it's, it's phenomenal, the growth of Lincoln and how much that, that community has grown. But when I was in school just a few years ago, Red Lobster was in the annual Journal Star KFOR uh, polls. Mm-hmm. Red Lobster was the number one seafood restaurant in Lincoln, just ahead of Long John Silver's. <laughs> I think that Lincoln has taken steps, leaps, and bounds ahead of those days. Nevertheless, it was a nice place to go to grab a little seafood. Conveniently located, just head out to what was it, sixty sixth and you know somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so so it was convenient. It was good enough. And you could satisfy your seafood cravings at Red Lobster, and that's not gonna. I mean, I, I, my, the best seafood I think I had in Lincoln um, was was I think it was Dinsdale's uh, on what was that P Street above? Oh, Jesus! Like above Kep Hardings or something like that. That's, that's hundred years ago. First place I think I had uh, crab legs. It was really really good. Okay, and that takes people way back. But again. Lincoln has improved in leaps and bounds, and it's going to be a sad, it's a sad day that Red Lobster is gone. But nevertheless, for, for, for far too long, one, it was not exactly a signature thing for Lincoln to have Red, Red Lobster be your finest seafood joint in town. Unless you're a kid going to prom at Lincoln East
2: in April. Uh Uh-huh. The best thing about that was you could go in there and taunt taunt your lobster before you picked him. (laughs) In the tank. (laughs) It's you and me, cowboy, and you ain't winning. So, Bill, let's turn our attention. Uh, What did you think of of Oklahoma, Nebraska, and what travels to Sparty? You
4: know, I've tried to put my finger on it the last few days, and, and I think Nebraska in that Oklahoma game did not go in with the expectation to win. I think really? that they went in. I, I, I think they went in and they're thinking, "Okay, we're we're." I just don't think they had the belief in themselves in that first quarter, especially on that first Oklahoma drive, that they that they were supposed to win. And I, and I think that's you know been a challenge for us for the past two decades. Really, you know, are, are, are we still that team that you know believes that it's going to win every? game out you know back in the day it was how much are we going to win by how much do we want to win by but i think as that game went on and you put yourself in a seven nothing hole on the scoreboard and seven more penalties than oklahoma and in, in the yellow flag category all of a sudden the second quarter rolls and anything wait a minute we can play with these guys I don't think that's a great Oklahoma team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's the number three-ranked team in the country. I think Oklahoma and Ohio State have a similar identity and probably Clemson. I just don't think they're th- that great right now. But nevertheless, I-, I think as that game went on, the Huskers found themselves, put themselves in a hole that they believed that they could crawl out of, and, and they should have won the game. Let's face it. Uh, but too many mistakes. How many times have we said that? But I think Nebraska has to come out of that game believing, you know what, I think we're better than people give us credit for, than maybe we give us credit for. And I think going into the game on Saturday, I'm not sure Michigan State is necessarily as good as they think they probably are. So I think there's a real mental challenge that we'll see in East Lansing on Saturday. Is Michigan State has the confidence that it's pretty good, and it may not be considering who they've beaten. And Nebraska's probably better than they believe themselves to be, given who they've lost to and how they've lost.
3: Yeah, Bill, I'm with you. Michigan State's wins against really a not-great Northwestern team, Youngstown State uh, not great, and then we aren't really sure how good Miami is. That was already their second loss of the season, but they've lost to two teams that we think are pretty good. Uh, So whenever you're looking at this game tomorrow, I don't want to say advantage Nebraska because you're on the road, but Nebraska does seem to have had the the tougher test to open the season. Would you agree with that?
4: I would, although Illinois is certainly – (laughs) that <laughs> made us look very good, that's for sure. But uh, I think Nebraska, I don't want to say passed the test last Saturday because they lost the game, but if you're taking classes pass-fail, as I tried to do as often as possible in college, Nebraska certainly gets at least a C if not a B uh, for its performance in Norman. Uh, great atmosphere, great environment, pretty good second half, just made way too many mistakes. Nebraska should have won. But I think they passed a very valuable test and that they should understand that that, that they that can actually be a pretty good football team and can win in East Lansing.
2: Bill Dolman's with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Bill Dolman. On Twitter, yeah, NBC Sports, of course, a longtime associate with Nebraska football. Road trip for the Big Red to East Lansing. So tomorrow shakes down to, to stopping the run. Obviously, for Nebraska's defense, what build do you think they need out of the run game? Does Nebraska
4: need out of the run game? Yes. Well, without Gabe Urban, uh, I guess you can kind of look back now and go, "Well, it's a good thing that a lot of different guys have gotten a lot a lot of carries." Or I shouldn't say a lot of carries; at least a few carries a game. So it's not as though you're going into the into a game without Amon Green or Lawrence Phillips or Ken Clark or Mike Rozier. You're the one who's our number two back. Nebraska's had one A, one B, one C, one D, and one E uh, all season long. So is it Ramir Johnson? Is it? Is this a uh, uh, a step game? Is this a Morrison game? It's probably going to be a, a marquee step kind of game, I would think. Um, but Nebraska has to run the ball effectively. There's no question about it. The offensive line should be extraordinarily motivated because they, along with the kicking game, have been, you know, with a glaring holes in the, in the game last weekend. So that offensive line really has something to prove. Don't make mistakes and show the, your physicality. And if they can do that against Michigan State's defense, then you're going to get you know, some, a decent ground game. You've got to average at least, I think Nebraska's got to average five yards per carry. Now, who's going to do that? I don't know. But I think this is a step game, and somebody else has to step up with
6: him
3: bill i'm with you here but i want to get your opinion uh which side of the ball do you think is going to have to shoulder more of a burden for the huskers to get a win uh come tomorrow is it it that offense putting up points enough to uh to take down michigan state in the rushing attack or is that on the defense to be able to to stop the michigan state rushing attack and give the offense a chance
4: Nebraska's defense has to tackle i mean how many times do you and i it was mentioned in press conferences this week that they got to tackle better and that was another thing that I didn't think on Saturday got enough attention was the number of missed tackles. It seems like, you know, the initial contact is two-hand touch. And then somebody else, let's slow down the guy, and then let's make the tackle five or six yards later. Nebraska gives up a ton. And I'm not even going to say it's yards after contact. It's like, yats. it's yards after touch. Mm. I, I, I'm, just, I'm floored at how poor the tackling can be at times where you're getting two-hand touches and then giving up five, six or more yards, and then you've got somebody in the secondary or Luke Reimer making an attack all over the field. And it just cannot be. They've got to wrap up as soon as they make contact, and they can't give up the,
2: again, I'm not saying yards after contact. It's just It's two-hand touch too much of the time. I wonder if in practice, I mean, you really truly can't simulate – what you're gonna see Saturday all the time, but I wonder in practice, and I don't know, none of us can go, which that's all good, whatever, but I just wonder how how prepped they are because OU's back, specifically Gray, that dude was awesome and fast and and so agile and could hit burst. And I just wonder if it was an adjustment for a while, because you're right. The first guy I'd get in the the bubble but then there's another wave of two or three more jerseys to finally get him down. It wasn't Melvin Gordon, thank God, but it was still six yards after, okay, there was people in the vicinity after a two-yard game.
4: I was just really surprised at how much, how little attention that was getting, and I was, I was glad to hear coaches talk about it this week because I'm thinking, am I the only one noticing the lack of, you know, tackle at first contact. I just, I just think that is so critical and so vitally important. But you know what? It, it, this may be symptomatic of of what we've talked about—not just this year, but over the last couple of seasons since they've been more conscientious about tackling and targeting and amount of contact in 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 August and there's no more two days and all those kinds of things because college football really has and other people have talked about this for the first month of a season, it is not all that polished. You don't expect it to be perfect week one, but you expect it to be pretty sure by week two and three. And uh, maybe, maybe that's part of it. Maybe there's just not enough tackling, not enough hitting. And that's the way it's designed. Now, now these days by legislation and in Nebraska and what we, what we see is, is there's a problem.
1: and maybe maybe,
4: maybe when october rolls around it'll be all better but i think nebraska's not alone in that i just notice it because that's those are the games i watch most intently but the tackling is not great there's no question about it
2: bill uh we need a thought here uh before we say goodbye you're rsvp'd for michigan weekend you're guaranteeing a big game big atmosphere
4: well, I, I'm planning on heading to Lincoln because uh, the, the good folks at Fairbury are going to dedicate the court, the, the basketball court, to my old coach Chuck Moore. So I'd li- I'm going to go back and be a part of that, and just so happens to be with uh, with Michigan weekend. So yeah, I'm planning on coming uh, to Lincoln and maybe uh, babysitting your gear down at the, down at the Haymarket there or something. But so, you, uh, yeah. so
2: we have a Bill Dolman potential siding at single barrel in two weeks. Well, I hope so. That'd be nice.
4: Yeah, we'll see about that.
2: We'll see about that, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to end up with a blow dart in my neck, and it's going to be the Bill Dolman show. <laughs> 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 Give us your prediction as only you can, the pride of Fairbury.
4: Well, I'm watching the Ryder Cup right now, and uh, the U.S. is just rolling all over Europe uh, up 5-1, to one, and I think tomorrow's game is going to be uh, a defensive struggle. I, I was thinking that there might be a fourth, but but given where the US is right now 5 to 1 and on its way to the 14 and a half points that it needs, I'm going to say 5 to 1. <laughs> now, if you'd ask me later, it could be 8 to 1 US. I don't know. But right now, as you're asking me, that's what I'm going with.
3: So Michigan State only converts one extra point. That's that's it.
2: Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying.
3: Okay. Yeah, makes sense.
2: Uh, how do you only get a point, brother? Well, that's up to them. That's not up to me. <laughs> it's the extra point. <laughs> that's, that's their problem. you know, wipe the touchdown away, but we'll let you keep the extra point. <laughs> it could be. Something Stranger Nebra- things have happened. So, so you're telling me Nebraska special teams will have some sort of hatchet job that allows Michigan State to score a point? <laughs> well, we gave up two last week on a point after. No, I know. Greg Beekert's still drinking beer like Ogre somewhere. <laughs> I think Nebraska wins a defensive struggle, so that's what I'm going with. Okay. Bill says the unders. Brother, be good. Have a good weekend, and uh, thanks for jumping on with us. All right. uh, Go Big Red Lobster. There we have it. Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill, you know what? They probably knew Bill by, oh, it's, they knew him by Billy D. Uh, guarantee, Billy D always had a standing reservation on a Friday night with some smoke show.
3: Well, see, I, I just think that nowadays, if you were to take a girl to Red Lobster, that's the number one way to never get her to talk to you again. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe, wow. just, maybe just not the same as it was back in the '80s.
2: So, but. let me ask you this: like, it's acceptable when I was dating my wife when we were in high school together, and even in college. Like, and tonight I've got to take her for our anniversary. You get to take her. My ass. I got to I got to <laughs> take her. Seven cheesecakes later. Uh <laughs> Scotch seven vodka tonics for me and seven cheesecakes for her that we were both able to tolerate one another. She's going to bring Junior along and they're both going to just hammer me for a monster <laughs> bill. That's what tonight is. Yeah. let me see if I can pick up a football game. Oops, got to go work, honey. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded very rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, George Darlington, gorgeous George, talking football next. And we're back. Folks,
3: so, you think we could listen to the radio?
1: Listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome!
2: Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Hall of Fame football coach, uh, many decades with Nebraska, many decades uh, offering football facts. We say hi to secondary coach George Darlington. Coach, how's your Friday going? Well, it's going well, been kind of relaxed. That is good. Uh, so we'll get into uh, some Oklahoma and some Michigan State, but first, want to hear all about uh, the, the classes you're offering, and how many years has this been uh, for you doing uh, Football Facts?
6: Probably about 36 years. Man. Somewhere in that range. And we had our first class last night in Lincoln, and we had a class in Omaha on Tuesday by Zoom, and the one in Lincoln was by Zoom also. The students came to the Huck Center, but I was home. Mm Mm-hmm. And we'll do that for a couple of weeks, and then it will be in person. So there's still time for people to get involved, and uh, certainly would like them. We of course watch tape of the uh, previous games as well as have instruction. Coach, how do you
2: like that Zoom setup?
6: Well, it's uh, it works out okay, and when you have texts that help you, <laughs>
2: I gotcha. <get your laughs> My yeah.
6: ability is. Not there, but uh, it has worked reasonably well. In-person,
2: obviously, is better, but this uh, substitutes nicely. George Darlington is with us. Hail Varsity Radio, longtime Hall of Fame coach for Nebraska football. Football Facts, uh, again, in session. And, Coach, you're doing this uh, in a lot of different venues, Uh, not just Lincoln, not just Omaha, but some other uh, campuses, correct?
6: Yes. Yes. Nebraska City will do it. Fremont, we didn't get enough students. We were going to try to do Fremont also, so Uh they've just gone to the Omaha facility.
2: Gotcha. If you want to get signed up, are you still taking uh, students? Yes, definitely. Can get a hold of Southeast Community College for more information and uh, get signed up uh, with Southeast Community College. The, The phone number... Uh, to get involved with Football Facts with Coach Darlington is 402-437-2700 and can also log on to uh, Southeast Community College's website and, and get that hooked up. But, Coach, I know you, you've you loved doing this, and I know there's been so many Nebraska fans that, that have loved to, to bend your ear on this. And at the end, you guys do a one heck of a banquet, don't you?
6: Yes, uh, we have... A- Two or three players that come as a part of the banquet. Uh, we normally have a uh, one night at the stadium, but I'm not sure this year if they're going to allow that. But that's always a treat too for families to go around and go in the press box and the weight room
2: and see all the
6: different facilities.
2: George Darlington's with us, Coach. Uh, what do you think of Oklahoma? Well,
6: we had uh, had our chances. The first drive, with all the penalties, probably cost us the chance for a touchdown. We played competitively and could have won the game. And uh, Oklahoma is very talented, so it uh, it should allow for uh, us to build on that. Uh, we have an extremely hard opponent this week in Michigan State. They're kind of the surprise of the Big Ten. If we're going to have a winning season, get to a bowl game, the game Saturday will be crucial.
2: That's what we've been talking about, Coach, a lot of this week, is just you look at the, the, the stretch, you look at the schedule, you look at the opportunities, and there isn't any any easy ones. Even the, the teams that uh, are – on paper doable haven't been doable for Nebraska so uh, I think from a confidence standpoint and, and you've coached these into kids specifically at that defensive back spot you've always got to have confidence don't you and I think Nebraska can take that with them uh, into into Michigan State
6: well it's going to be very important uh, I think the one thing that I Reflect back on, as teams that have been losing, they play often good enough to lose. They play decent, but they can't overcome the hump. We've got to overcome the hump. We've got to play well like we played for the most part Saturday Mm -hmm. and yet get over the hump, play well enough to win rather than just not get embarrassed.
2: Is it mental? Is it a situation where they've not experienced enough winning to to kind of latch on to that that experience? Or is it something where, you know, it, it's just a, 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 an accumulation of, of missteps? I mean, we all know that no one's going to play a perfect football game. That said, uh, you can make up for it in, in other ways, but it just seems like Nebraska – always helps out their their opponent, always might be too strong a word. But in a lot of instances, in a lot of these games, these kind of coin flip, one-possession games, Coach, it's it's been Nebraska, a mistake here or there, that's helped the other team.
6: Well, certainly this uh, pass game is noticeable because we're behind 7 nothing. We get the kickoff, we start a good drive. And uh, before we get started, we have three five-yard penalties And then a 15-yard penalty and ended up having to kick a field goal. Uh, Whereas um, taking the penalty yardage away, we had an excellent chance to move down and score. And we've got to get to the point where we eliminate those types of penalties and just play a more perfect game and uh, stay competitive like we've been and make some plays that count to make the difference. We still... Are having kicking game problems.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: It's bothered us the last two or three years and cost us a chance to go to a bowl game one year. But uh, here we had excellent field goal kicker, only the uh, All Big Ten man we had picked by the press, and he's had a horrible year. And he needs to, I think, change some technique because he's done it in the past, and you know that's kind of a thing you don't count on count on him being solid
3: coach to uh to scott Frost's credit he has been keeping nebraska close in a lot of games however those one score losses seem to have been uh the story of scott frost's tenure so far uh and it's been the same this year do you think that those close one score losses are a sign that the team is close or is it a sign of of problems within the program that they can't get it done
6: well i think mostly this year they're a better football team they have much better talent a couple of years. Uh, In a row, there were void positions where uh, you had players starting that were 13 players, and when push came to shove, they couldn't make plays that they needed to play. But this year, they're a a better, more talented team, which is encouraging, and now it's a matter of making sure that instead of close losses, you have close wins and they get some momentum built up to – figuring out how to win instead of just play close.
2: A couple minutes left. George Darlington with us, Hall of Fame Nebraska football coach. Uh, log on to Southeast Community College. Get signed up for Football Facts, 36 years and counting with Coach Darlington. Uh, just an awesome uh, session with uh, a man that was on the sidelines for, for so many years with so many championships. Coach, uh, with the, the mistakes that keep happening, why is that? I, look, I mean, I look at the, the teams you were a part of and you coached. It's not that there weren't penalties. It wasn't, It's not that there weren't mistakes, but there weren't as many of them. Why do they keep happening? From, from your coach's perspective, why is that?
6: Well, they have to be corrected. And if a player is persistent, you just need to eliminate him, put him on second team, and let him go from there. Unfortunately it looks like at times it's a different person each play as far as the uh, offsides and that that really hurts you know mm-hmm. uh, we used to have a deal that we did in the stadium if a player jumped offsides he ran he, at least a lap around the field or he had to run stadium steps now it wasn't killing even to a 290-pound player, but it got your attention. And you, you had a good few minutes to think about the fact, hey, I screwed up, I cost us five yards. I may have cost us a drive to score a touchdown. And I think that simple exercise was good for a player to be pointed out and being punished, if you will. For making a mistake because he's costing the other 11 men or other 10 men. And uh, that way it seems like it, our penalties of that type were down because there's certain penalties you're going to get. There are holding calls
2: mm-hmm.
6: that uh, happen and sometimes clipping. But offsides is inexcusable.
2: Coach, a final thought for Michigan State. Do you think Nebraska can, can get out of East Lansing with a win?
6: Well, if we play a real good ball game, we can. We've got to stop a, a very good, talented running back and move the ball and, and get in the end zone. We're having trouble in the red zone, not scoring enough points. When you get down there, you need to score. And preferably touchdowns instead of field goals. So we're going to have to play good, and we're going to have to play hard, because they'll be very psyched up after a three and zero start. And they have a talented team. They got a lot of players uh, on the, from the portal mm-hmm. that have worked out for them. So it'll be it'll be important.
2: Why do you think there are struggles in the red zone?
6: Well, I think some of it's probably the plays in the package,
7: Mm
6: -hmm. you know, not having, uh, we've had a a real uh, problem with running backs, Mm -hmm. different guys. We've got one young man out for the season now, and that certainly has got to hurt. But overall, you know, we move the ball at times, and we just have to come through with the play at the end to to get seven on the board
2: coach have a great weekend stay uh stay strong okay and, and thanks so much for a few minutes with us
6: well thank you and hopefully we'll have a great outcome tomorrow evening
2: good stuff from coach darlington again uh, southeast community college get signed up with the football facts 36 years of uh Insight and entertainment and just great football knowledge with George Darlington. Coach George, good to hear from him. And uh, we'll get to a Friday forecast on the way. Claus Byrne in the wings. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Welcome down a Friday, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Don't forget, weekend edition, tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And then we will bring you real Red Reaction. We'll stream yard that bad boy as well, so you can watch us on ESPN, Lincoln, Facebook. Uh, Elijah Herbal, part of it, Will Wilson. And uh, there'll be some golf jabbing, no doubt, going on uh, to see how bad I played. We have to do a, a live stream from the course. See, Will's too good to do that. And I think he you've might got be- a mustache, so there's going to be no cart chicks or women, excuse me. The, the the cart folks will be avoiding us unless you shave that
3: thing. Oh, it, it's actually going tonight. Okay, that's uh that's, that was a promise. Is uh, after after Nebraska's lost last week, it wasn't going to make it to another game. Day.
2: Okay, uh, let's get into the Friday forecast. He does not have a mustache. He's imaginary. He wears red. We welcome in Claus Byrne on hale City Radio. Claus, how's your week been? Well, I've been doing okay. As I understand, though,
7: uh, the Big Ten is just intent on, on making us change one of our school colors to yellow. The way they keep throwing those flags on the field every time we play, I think we might as well make the switch.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit frustrating, uh, Claus. I know it was within reach, but it didn't happen. Should we see if things go better this weekend for Nebraska?
7: Well, I suppose we don't have any other choice. (laughs) That's pretty good.
2: We survived Norman Claus. It was an entertaining roadie in the RV. I'll say that.
7: Well, I'm surprised it didn't end up on blocks and on fire on the side of the road north of Edmond, which is usually what happens. But uh, fortunately for you, I'm sure the Sooner magic <coughs> carried over from your conversation with Barry, and they treated
2: you fairly well. It was a good time. It was it was all good. Well, it's going to be a party in Chicago. Notre Dame and Wisconsin fans will head to Soldier Field. Wisconsin minus six and a half. Michigan looms, and uh, the offense uh, not great for Wisconsin. Notre Dame's lived the charmed life. That's the word I'm going to put in front of them. But they're unbeaten. Uh, I think this is a gotta-have for Wisconsin. Unfortunately, I do not think it goes the whiskey way. Give me Notre Dame. Uh, and, yes, give me the points. Give me the Irish an outright win. 31-21. Uh, 10-point win for the Irish. They take down Bucky. Elijah.
3: Uh, I can't give Notre Dame the outright win. They struggled way too much with Florida State. I think they're probably a better team now. I still got to take Wisconsin, but I don't trust Wisconsin by six and a half. Uh, so give me Notre Dame to cover, Wisconsin to win, 24-20. Uh,
2: to 20. Wisconsin gets the win. All right. Klaus, what do you think here, Notre Dame or Wisconsin? Well,
7: I enjoy that the game is in Chicago, and every time I think of Chicago, I think of Bill Switzky's super fan, which you probably remember famous for exaggerating the Bulls' uh, prowess in the 90s, calling for a minimum eight-peak, which, of course, reminds me of your old friend Dino Cook saying that Ron Paulus would win three Heismans for Notre Dame. Of course, Irish fans are known for exaggerating, like Christopher, at the bars on Oak Street at about <laughs> 2 a.m. about their numbers. So... <laughs> wow. I can see why you're taking Notre Dame, a kindred spirit. But I don't think they're a very good team. Of course, Wisconsin isn't very good either. But I'll take the Badgers 10 and the Irish 7.
2: Wow. Big 10 football right there. The exaggeration of numbers. Uh, A&M, Arkansas, the Walmart Bowl. You have A&M minus 5.5. They're a different squad without the quarterback. And I'm just kind of doing the Colorado common denominator: what Minnesota did to the Buffs versus what AM could not do to the Buffs, even with injury. Arkansas is hot. They've got a heavy-set, old old lineman that's now a head coach with a little bit of personality. Give me Arkansas to keep on Sue Wean, and give me the Hogs the outright win, 27-20 over AM. Elijah. Uh, I'm not sold in this Arkansas team. I think they might. Uh, I mean, they play physical.
3: I'm not sold that they're as good as uh, you, they they would lend you to believe so far this season. Uh, I think this A&M team, however, every place except quarterback, is a very good team. Uh, so I'm going to take Ar- er, excuse me, Texas A&M big over Arkansas, 31-13. to Okay, Claus,
2: what do you say here, Aggies or Hogs? This game is being played at Jerry's World in, in uh, Arlington, correct? believe it is because of... Uh... Jared being a big-time Arkansas graduate.
7: I thought it was because of the luxury Walmart that's literally across the street from Jared's world. Okay. Well, I'm conflicted in this one. I really don't like either fan base. On one side, you have Arkansas whose fans, of course, uh, got very creepy and stalkerish with Mojo and his girlfriend a couple months ago. And then the other fan base, I'm fairly sure, uh, was founded based on the science fiction writings of L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> um, I, I've always said if you're going to join a poll started by someone from Tilden, Nebraska, it ought to be Richie Ashburns, but I digress. I'll take Arkansas on this one, uh, 35, <laughs> and the Aggies 28.
2: Upset alert, potentially. Clemson, can they get their offense jump-started, or does the fighting Tim Beck... Uh, crew make it happen NC State's 2-1 and one. Uh, Mr. Garrison also on NC State uh, do you like Clemson here Elijah in the points uh, or, or to give the points or do you like NC State at home to, to get the points
3: Well, I'll confess to you, I haven't seen an NC State football game yet this year. I don't know all that much about the Wolfpack. Uh, But when I see Clemson by 10, uh, it seems very small for a Clemson team despite the struggles they've had at quarterback with DJ. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. DJ. Uh, So I I just find it hard to go against Clemson when it's only 10 points. Give me Clemson by 17, 37 to 20. I'm going to go
2: with uh, Clemson, the win, NC State, the cover. And I think it's uh, one of those 31... 31-22, No, thirty-one twenty-two. right? I mean, just barely a cover for for uh, NC State but Clemson will win. Claus, what do you like your Clemson or NC State the number?
6: Well,
7: the only DJ that I have any kind of confidence in is Belafonte. Claus, mm-hmm. I feel like as Nebraskans we have sort of a kindred uh, uh, spirit uh, if you will with NC State both of us uh, wearing red ends on our helmets and both of us Allowed the clean throw guide to pollute uh, our roster for a brief period of time. So, I'll <laughs> well, cover in this one. I think the final score is somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 31. Clemson wins, uh, but NC State covers.
2: The old Harrison Beck nod clause. I love you. Okay, let's get to Nebraska and uh, Michigan State. Sparty minus five, minus five and a half. I'll go first. I just think uh, Nebraska again inches closer but can't get it done. Hope I'm wrong. Don't think I'm wrong, but was way off last week. Give me uh, Michigan State 28-21 over Nebraska. Elijah.
3: I got uh, Nebraska losing close in this one. Uh, It's going to be a one-score game. Michigan State 23, Nebraska 20.
2: Klaus, what happens here? Nebraska and or Sparty?
7: Well, Nebraska and Michigan State obviously have a lot in common, not just Bob Devaney, but of course our Uh, mutual uh, tragedy, you know, losing our our Sam Fultz and their kicker as well. So nothing but respect uh, for Michigan State. And they also have a really good running back, which, of course, I always appreciate, a young man by the name of Kenny Walker who's making a lot of noise. Of course, our Kenny Walker at Nebraska famously couldn't hear the noise, and that's what Nebraska's going to do, drown it all out, play hard-nosed football, and win the game 28 to 25.
2: Claus says Nebraska by three. Book it. Claus, behave and have a good weekend. Okay. There he goes. That's Claus. We'll wind down a Friday next on Hale Varsity.
1: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time, Real Red Reaction follows Nebraska Sparty on ESPN Lincoln locally. It'll be at uh, Casa de Schmidt, the patio, the fire pit, and uh, maybe talking about a Nebraska win for the first time since 06 on the road against a ranked team. We'll see if the, uh, the black shirts travel, the offensive line's better, and if the special teams is cleaned up. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Will Wilson will be with us tomorrow as well. So we were talking, Red Lobster shutting down, Bill Dolman. I could just hear the tear rolling down his cheek. Literally, uh, because I mean that was uh, that was a spot for Billy D, and I went there twice in my life. Maybe once for a birthday when I was a, a kid, and uh, you know it's, uh, it's it was a part of Lincoln. But we got a phone call off air about the Tam O'Shanter, and we'd go to after uh, after class a lot of times. Uh, the the group I used to teach with, we'd uh, we'd rock on down to the, the Tam for uh, maybe a, a beverage a Thursday or a Friday. I love the Tam O'Shanner. a beverage or six, maybe. but uh, the long <laughs> and short is there's cod. was it walleye or cod halibut. How, okay, strike three, I'm out. I mean halibut's usually your fish taco fish, right? But you had a caller call in and say, man, the the halibut at the Tam is money. You said that they had a lunch special? Right, see, I see I'm
3: a, I'm not a, a fish guy usually. If I'm going to the Tam, I'm going to get a burger. Right. Yeah, that's
2: that's me. No, and, and dude, I, I'm with you. Like, I don't go... I'm going to put Pinky in the air for two seconds, and if I if I order anything that's out of the sea, it's ahi tuna. Mm. Or I go to, to Timmy Berta's, and I get his beer-battered walleye.
3: See, personally, I just don't get anything out of the sea because I live in Nebraska, and we are the furthest state in the union from any large body of water. <laughs> you, yes,
2: but there are places that have stuff flown in day of. Uh-huh. Okay, so you can get it there's good sushi sushi joints around town that's fair yeah right I mean there is and worst case scenario you got a buddy who's got a pond <laughs> right or you got a buddy that went up to South Dakota and caught some fish out of a pond
3: mm.
2: see I'll, I'll save my Do you like the fish fry or no
3: nah, nah. I'm, I'm a on it like, see, and, I, I think f- deep frying the fish does make it better because deep frying makes almost anything better sure Yeah, but but still, I'm just
2: I'll I'll save my seafood eating whenever I take a trip to one of the coasts. Okay, that's me. Okay, I know I I I use my seafood eating when it comes to sushi or uh, again grilling some some tuna at home or something.
3: If God wanted Nebraskans to eat seafood, he would have given us. But it's closer to the water.
2: Okay, that's that's fair logic. But no, it it, it's a sad moment, but hopefully um, uh, one red stays alive, right? if you're a Nebraska fan, tomorrow night. Over, under on number of yards for Kenneth Walker III. What's the number? He's got to be below 150. And it's got to be like 40 carries.
3: I think it's more. What's more important is the yards per carry total, and you have to keep him. I think under four yards per carry. Uh, he, he can bust off a couple big runs, uh, but you got to keep him under four yards per carry. And I'm with you. 150 yards is the the max he can get, where
2: Nebraska still gives himself a chance.
3: I think you want to try to keep him under 125.
2: Does Adrian? Does Nebraska win if Adrian's not hitting the century mark on the ground? They they can yes, but he'd have to throw for 300 yards. Okay, fair enough numbers to think about. Back at you tomorrow morning. Find us. Weekend edition, 7 to 9 a.m. with Hale Varsity. Have a good Friday.